Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Maybe the, uh, the line of the night last night behind the scenes was from Kevin Sumlin to me about OutKick and OutKick 360 rolls on. So I walk up to him and I'm letting him know that we're going to do this behind the scenes thing if he's cool with it. And I'm saying, hey, I'd like to walk up if you go on the clock and just listen in. He's like, absolutely. He goes, oh, an outkick. He's like, I love outkick. Um, but remind Clay that he was all over me at A&M. And then all of a sudden we joined the SEC and we're cool. You know, that he's, That's he's I'll remember. I always remember the fact that I was on the hot seat until I was SEC worthy. Uh, it's it, funny too because social I remember, media. If you want to see that, Outkick three hundred and sixty. I also seem to remember Clay really pushing for Tennessee to hire Kevin Sumlin. That might be point. true. Yeah, I don't remember that. When but, things were falling apart it, with Shiano and everything else. <laughs> I, I feel like Clay was a big advocate of Kevin Sumlin to Tennessee. He's gonna. We could ask. We'll ask him if he was even discussed there or if he contemplated it. Um, he'll join us um, anytime we want, but. More than likely in the next couple of I, I weeks as they get ready for practice. I can't wait to ask him what the heck happened in Arizona with him. That was bad. Yeah. Man. Uh, that was sure. a bad, bad tenure. Yes. And he was a good coach. I mean, I'm, I'm asking legitimately because he was successful at Houston. He was successful for a time, very successful at Houston. Successful for a time at A&M that fell apart a little bit in the end. And then Arizona was just a, an abomination of a coaching tenure. So... Look forward to asking him. Yeah, yeah he's uh, very cool, very gracious with the time last night for uh, letting 360 drop in with him for the pick. I have no idea who he picked. Actually, uh, he picked a former Titan, Paul, uh, now that I remember. Uh, Genesee, the tackle. Avery Genesee. Yeah, who played for him at A&M. So a lot of these coaches Love are going it. with what they know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360 is where you can join the show. You can also join the chat. You can chat with Chad uh, in the and YouTube chat. With chat with Chad, I like that. Chat with Chad in the YouTube chat. Uh, Brian Flores, in an interview on Real Sports, uh, says that the Miami Dolphins tried to get him to sign a, an NDA on his way out, and he refused. And had he done so, he wouldn't be able to speak out against the organization. Um, I'm assuming that most of the time, and I, I don't think this is Brian Flores, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, I don't think this is Brian Flores, uh, uh, you know, when it, uh, specific to him. Yeah, the because Dolphins I, denied this very oh, well, strongly. Yeah, they, they, they did deny it. But I'm, you had the Dolphins' response, why is Flores making things up? But normally, whenever you part ways with any company, you sign either something. a non-disparagement or something of those along those lines. Um, to me, whatever he would have signed would have been routine and not something that was only for Brian Flores, at least... Well, That's what I thought when I read this headline. I'm thinking, so whenever you part ways with the CEO, you always hear the CEO bashing the company? No, but here's the thing. You're, 
your agreement to leave is negotiated. Um, I had, I'm not going to speak for you guys. I, I had to reach an agreement with 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, even though my contract was up. I was negotiating my non-compete, right? And right. I, in a negotiation there, there was give and take. It wasn't finances really, but there, there were matters. And I signed non-disparagement in that. So that was an important chip on their side in terms of trying to negotiate this non-compete down. So I don't yeah, doubt all, for a second that. that Brian yeah, Flores made less money in negotiating oh. a contract down. So you could say it's standard or whatever, but he's saying I turned down more money to not sign the non-disparagement part of what they wanted me to sign in order to do what I'm doing and say the things that I'm, uh, I'm saying. That's completely believable. I don't know why the Dolphins would deny that they asked him to sign so, such a thing. Whether it's standard or not is yeah. not relevant to me. They asked him to sign a well, non-disparagement way, way as part been, of a routine thing. He turned down the money that he could have gotten to do so. Well, the way it's been presented is the Dolphins asked him to do this so they could quiet him. And I, I'm thinking... Which is true. But that, but that's... Uh, that, that goes for any line of, to me, if you're a contract employee, that goes for any line of work. Sure. Um, if, but he had more to be quiet about. Did, did you guys watch the interview? On I Real did not. I've, just I've only read, read the story from so CBS Sports. I, I recorded it and watched it. Um, here's my just honest opinion on, on these Brian Flores interviews. He's not helping himself doing these interviews. He does not come across he stutters as someone. too much in the transcripts. Does not come across as someone who is a reliable narrator of this. Um, that's probably the, the nicest way I can say it and the best way I can say it. His lawyers don't come across overly well in this. I'll give you an example. The lawyers, you know, praised Brian Flores for saying that, you know, this is clearly not about money for him. This is about opportunities for others and paving a way and being a trailblazer. Well, okay, are you not suing for money? Then is that what you're wanting? Is this, is this not, you're not going to get paid in this lawsuit? Like it's my understanding that it's going to be a payment. Well, you can't to just him sue also. for principal, can you? Well, there but, has to be a a, a, but, a I mean, financial element to I, the lawsuit. You can't say that. Like, if you wanted to come out and, and you know expose all these wrongs, you could without suing. You don't have to sue for damages. You How? could you could write a book. You could go on TV and talk about your experience. You could well, he's do the that. media tour and do all that. We'd still know about it. The league would still have to re react. You don't have to well, sue for money. He wants there to be repercussions. Well, again, I, I said earlier, we're all hypocrites. But you can't go up there and say it's not about money while you're suing the NFL for a lot of money. It, I mean, do you not see the disconnect there? Yeah, it, it, I completely understand with what you're saying. So his and law it's form, coming from the attorney saying that. Yes, that was not, that was not Flores. That was right. his attorney. Now, his attorney's office put this out last night. And said, in response to the Dolphins calling Brian Flores' assertion of an NDA categorically false, below were screenshots, receipts, for the draft agreement and payment termination notice. And on this, it has, you know, an NDA that you would see that's standard. So Armando Salguero of OutKick, down in Miami, covers the team, had this to say about that. And I think this is an interesting distinction between the claim and what happened. Armando says, all of this is fine, but what the Dolphins are asserting, based on my understanding, is that Stephen Ross himself did not bring up the NDA, counter to what Brian Flores apparently affirms to Bryant Gumble. See, I don't think so, that that matters. These people are acting on, Brian, uh, on Stephen Ross's authority. 
If, if Stephen Ross's lawyer is doing it, Stephen Ross is doing it. I think it's an important distinction, Paul, if you are accusing a, an individual owner of personally bribing you or trying to bribe you money. I think it's important when Bryant Gumbel says, Stephen Ross asked you to sign this. And he says yes. Because he's going to pay you to lose. Yeah. And he doesn't want you to I, say I, I do think there's a difference there, and I think a court of law would distinguish between that difference too. If it's the team's legal department giving a standard NDA, here's what you have to sign to get your settlement, you know, that everyone signs. If you're going to get paid for the rest of your contract, I, I think that's different. Now, doesn't change the fact the guy didn't sign it and didn't get paid, right? Like, there is something to that. He could have taken two years' salary. They said it was two years' salary, so... I'm assuming that's around nine million. What four, four, four and a half? He's probably making maybe that he left on the table. Maybe three. So if so, he's making more than the Braves. Again, yeah. on on the side on of Brian Flores, deal. Deal. the guy did pass up a lot of money by not signing that and filing this lawsuit. Uh, uh, money he would have gotten immediately. So there is something to that. I don't but. know about the legality of it. To me, that lawyer's doing exactly what Stephen Ross tells him to do. Stephen Ross is a lawyer, I think, also, if I'm not mistaken. But he's in communication with his guy, and they've got a strategy going in there, just like in any settlement. Well, Stephen Ross doesn't have to be in the room I, to be asking the guy to shut his mouth. I mean, the Dolphins look so stupid if there are texts or emails or anything out there, right? I think like, you I, just go into I defense mode. But I, you go into silence mode. Like, what lawyer? They have great lawyers. You said Stephen Ross is a lawyer. No lawyer is going to start drafting Not official possible. statements of – I don't know why Brian continues to lie on television over, over and, and over. That's the third time they've I said mean, that. I think they've got a like. And a, they're not the only organization to go in. Yes, they're going all in. Like you totally don't say it. a word. Like if Paul, if you are even remote, if you are an attorney, and we've worked with he one was of, a tax attorney. We have Stephen worked with Ross. one of the very best attorneys in the state of Tennessee. Yes. If you are an attorney, do you think our attorney would tell us to immediately nilly willy draft a Twitter statement saying? We categorically deny, and we will. I don't know why Brian is saying all these lies out there. It's very weird how strong the Dolphins are going in. If you want to, this is not an admission of guilt, but if you're the Dolphins, here's a more tame statement to that. We look forward to our day in court and explaining our side of things. Yeah, more we look statement. forward to, to Stephen Ross defending himself against these claims. Not this, once again, Brian Flores continues to lie. And I don't know why Brian's doing this. He knows the truth. It's an emotional response. It's weird. It was an emotional lawsuit is what it seems like to me. But the Dolphins seem emotional now, too. Everybody's emotional. Everybody's emotional. Well, but the, the owners routinely do, and this goes for the entire league, they don't like negative publicity about the owners. And whenever you have the coach that has started a firestorm of coverage about this, and for everything that was alleged, the thing that the NFL will find critically damning is the integrity of the game, right? And when you put Flores's name attached to that and what could be at stake, I, I think his response, if it's completely false, is what we're seeing from him. And, well, and so the league came out. The league, we're talking about emotional and yep. quick responses and everything. They have the league came out very quickly and said, without merit. Not we're going to look into this without merit. Well, so I also, just an aside, I think Bryant Gumble is terrific at what he oh, does, right. and uh, he's a very good interviewer. And, I mean, he pinned Brian Flores in a, a couple of times and his lawyers. And one of the moments that he did that was 
You claim the beginning. There will be many others that join this lawsuit. Where are they? Here we are weeks later. Brian Flores is the only one asserting all of this. The NFL, where are they? And they said, oh, you, you're going to be asking us a different question soon. And, and Gumbel said, how soon? When are there going to be other plaintiffs? And he said, a couple of weeks. That's what the lawyer said. So that, That's that, was, that was weird. Um, look, I don't know what Brian Flores has or doesn't. These are strong allegations. I, I just continue to see these strong allegations coming out and his attorney standing up there and saying, we have the evidence, we have the proof, it will be out in discovery. And then the Dolphins having these strong statements that contradict all of that. So something doesn't add up. Either the, someone's going to look foolish. Yeah, if he the can't produce or Flores. if he can't produce the receipts on the hundred thousand per game thing that they have said they will hand over to the league in an investigation. If he comes up zero on that, his all, well, any credibility's gone. But if you're the league, you don't let this get to a point where any of this information is out there, if true. And let's let's discuss the third party in this. The third party in this is not Flores, and it's not the Dolphins. It's the league investigation and the public perception of them employing and uh, having an owner part of their group that employed a coach that was asked to lose games on purpose and in in, in return getting a hundred grand is the allegation. If the if if the Flores camp has evidence of this, the NFL would be served. Correct me if you guys think I'm wrong here. They would be served to settle and then have someone take over for Flores, which is. Uh, which is not Flores for Ross, for Ross, Ross excuse yeah. me. Which is what would happen, and, and you, know. you still don't have the details and evidence out there. So if there is damning evidence where you have an owner who's paying off his coach to lose on purpose and tank games that affects the outcome and the integrity of the league, not just the Dolphins, the league. Don't you put out that smoke and smother that and completely, you know, yeah, you, you put the blanket over and you say, you know what, um, we're Let's. He's right. We need to settle this behind the scenes, and then you then you factor in making sure the the information ever gets out there. That group will keep things as tight knit and tight lipped as possible if this stuff is true. That's where Chad them stinking on a media tour doesn't matter because if they have this stuff, they're not going to have to be particularly articulate or anything about it. It will speak. There's for There's also no reason to go on the media tour if you're going. If you have the evidence, you go to the league and you get paid to turn it in. I mean, that's what this. It, that, that's what would happen if if you have you present the evidence. I don't know. Do you need to be and, paid? I don't think you need to be so, paid to turn it in if you're there. Then why wait to a couple prop weeks? People well, doing is, the right things. And why, has the league asked them for it yet? Oh, I'm sure the league has. So look, the, le- the league said there was no merit to the racism allegations that, and they, when they clarified all this. And you had Goodell say these allegations were taken extremely serious in Miami. said this at the, at the Super Bowl. And my guess is they're, they're asking like, hey, let, let's find out what's going on here. So if you, They're not lazy about it. They yeah, can't be lazy about this allegation. Well, let me, let me get to that because the more we talk, the more I remember from the interview also. The league hired Loretta Lynch, former attorney general under President Obama, uh, to defend mm. the league against these claims. Right. Loretta Lynch is an African-American woman. Brian Flores and his attorneys were asked about this, and Brian Flores said, look, she's a, she's a hero of mine, uh, Loretta Lynch. So that's, that's really cool. But also said, I just hope that she's not really in this to defend the league 
and that she comes in and tells the league what they need to do to make this right. Because what I want in the end is what's right moving forward. And I'm thinking to myself, the league hired her to defend the league. She's going all in on you. I mean, that, that, that's what's going to happen. Like, it was just weird that he thinks the attorney on the other side representing this Goliath, the NFL, is going to turn to the NFL and teach them a lesson on racism. I mean, Loretta Lynch has done a lot against racism throughout her career, and she's a hero to a lot of people. She is now a private citizen, not the Attorney General of the United States, yeah. who's getting paid a ton by the National Football League. I agree with you, Chad. That I there, mean, she's, she's going be, after his claims. There seems right? to be uh, some shakiness on his side. I, I, don't, but I, do I, think, I don't know if I'm missing something there on what he thinks her role is in this. But she's I, certainly not working for him. No. But I do think it is interesting, that the accusations he's bringing, that they could say are without merit, when you hold them up side by side with the very things they've said themselves when they're dissatisfied with the hiring practices of their own league and all of this stuff in their own reports with Troy Vincent saying, we've been a massive failure at this, we suck at this, we've got to do better. It's complicated when this guy, whatever you may think about his accusations right now and however he may be presenting himself on television and whatever may be the case with his particular his particular experience versus the league's overall experience, which they are saying outright when Goodell stands in front of the questioners at the, at the Super Bowl press conference and says, I'm not happy with how this whole thing is unfolding. Those two things side by side may not line up, particularly in Flores' favor, but they're admitting they have an issue with what Flores is accusing them of well, being bad at. And look at the difference in the two statements. The initial statement that was strong against without the allegations merit. without merit versus a day or two later where Goodell saying, we haven't done our job. Yeah, clarifying. Clearly, we haven't done our job. Now, without merit be was a stupid, well, stupid reactionary statement. But here, statement. I think, is the difference between the two. All right? And we, we kind of – this became an issue during the Colin Kaepernick protest. Um, for a lot of people, and this is not a race thing, just for a lot of people – it maybe was a claim that was with merit from a meritless uh, narrator or from someone who was not the right person to bring it to attention based on things said and done, right? So Brian Flores is suing the league. So two things can be true here. Brian Flores, his claims can be without merit, and there could be a racism problem in the NFL. So here's, if that's the case, here's what I'd like to see. More plaintiffs. Yeah, I want the other plaintiffs that Brian Flores' legal team is promising in two weeks, they said, by the way, on Real Sports last night. I want to hear from them because I bet you there are stronger stories and allegations out there and things that receipts were kept, were kept that could expose some things. I'm willing to bet that's happened over the course of the last 20 years in the NFL, right? But what I've seen so far from Brian Flores, it just doesn't add up. So this one case may not add up. There could be other things out there. We're not seeing them yet. I think those other plaintiffs are still probably reluctant to sacrifice careers, which is probably what it amounts to. And well, Flores I, didn't. I agree with you. Yeah, there's one He's guy. coaching with the Steelers. Yeah. A very unusual situation. By the way, the interview by though. congratulating him on the Steelers' yeah. job and asking him about it. And the other thing, I, I get what you're saying about the perfect narrator, but I think you very rarely end up with the perfect narrator on um, on well, like also, uh, what what are they what, the NFL statement with without merit? Let, let's take everything that was listed 
and break it down. So he's saying that the Giants knew who they were going to hire, and it wasn't going to be him, and Bill Belichick sent him a text, and the Giants already knew that Buffalo was in on it, and the NFL saying without merit, and then the Giants statement that they released was much stronger than the accusations coming out from Flores, which was, in response, a detailed itinerary of everything they went through on the uh, on the job interview with Flores. Same with Denver. Same with Denver and the uh, Denver's response and the itinerary for Elway and what he had done the day before and where he is now. Um, the the idea that he was not hired because of his race was, and, and that the teams had already made up their mind. You can't. Based on the way that the Giants responded, it's tough to say that that's true. Right. I mean, what what can be true is Belichick thought he was texting one Brian and he texted another, but it doesn't mean that the Giants had already officially made the hire. No, but what also can be true, no, is that Miami was quicker to fire him when they found when Ross found him to be uncooperative because he found him to be what what they what what Flora said was an angry black man. Would, would a white guy in that situation have gotten the same fate as quickly? We don't know, but that's part of Flores' allegation that I think there could be some credence to. I just feel like there It's are, hard for me to buy into that when a black man is their general manager. Yeah, and with Stephen I mean, Ross's again, history. I, if it, look, I, I think there but are I think Greer is Ross's henchman, and Flores wasn't his henchman, wouldn't go along with but, what he wanted. Okay. Was well, portrayed as an angry how, black how man. That's an owner's prerogative. Yeah, but how if many, you don't want to have someone under your employment, you yeah, can fire them. It is, but what he's saying is the same thing wouldn't happen to a white guy. I think that's worth having a conversation about. Well, well he's also fired Adam Gase. I mean, if a look, I mean, he's if, fired a white guy before. If a white guy wasn't, and he didn't hire a white guy, Adam Gase wouldn't have any problem. And he didn't game. hire the white guy to replace the white guy. Agree. Look. Call me naive, but I think a white guy who's completely out of step with the ownership is going to get fired too, especially well, when they're out of step a, with a lot of other people's organizations. That's the question. You know, he's I mean, asked. that's that. That's why. I just I think all these things are hard to prove unless there are legitimate receipts, and yes. that's what I need to see presented. And there's no signs of that right now. And all these promises about plaintiffs, and you're going to hear from other people. None of that's happened yet. Right now, it's Brian Flores out on an island by himself, him and his attorneys. And that's it. And, and with with again, the, with Chad, the request to lose being the most your prominent piece of this case, and and they're saying they have receipts on that from the beginning. That seemed like the strongest piece of this allegation. And I'm not saying this can't exist, but it, it's I'm, I'm with Chad on as he continues to speak. I mean, it, for the discussion about Ross and having race factor in, he also was the owner who hired him. Yep. Um, the Houston Texans were added in on this. They hired Lovey Smith instead of Brian Flores. Yeah, because now he's being discriminated against because he, he sued the league, which anyone's going to be discriminated against. And he got hired something. by Pittsburgh. He yeah. hasn't strengthened, strengthened the racial argument of the case since the case was filed. And what he needs to do that, Chad, you're, you're, you're dead on, is people to join it. And the, the people aren't lining up to do that so far. And, and the thinking was he had made it easier for them to do so. So far, he, people haven't found that easy. I'd also like to say, uh, and I've heard this a couple times, you know, well, you need to go hire a, a black person for, for that job. Like, if you say that, that's racist to me. Just like if someone said, you know what we need to do? We've we got to hire a white coach this time. We've we got to go hire a, 
a, a white host of the show or a white reporter or an Asian reporter or a Hispanic reporter or a coach. Hire the best person. Like if there is proof, legitimate proof that there is a more qualified, better black candidate that's consistently passed over because the owner is racist and we have proof of that with receipts, then I want to see it and I want that person to not own that team anymore. But that's so hard to prove. And it's difficult to prove that when you're Brian Flores, who's suing the owner that hired them and is also has a history of hiring minorities in that spot. And oh, by the way, just hired a multiracial head coach in his very next hire. I think it's an uphill climb for Brian Flores unless receipts are produced. And, and we know that's not going to go fast. And it's not just the Dolphins named in this. Nope. You know, it goes through the process, oh, even prior to him getting the Dolphins. One job. other thing, Hutton, that came up in this. He's not spoken to Bill Belichick. Brian Gumbel asked, have you reached out to Coach Belichick since you published his text, the text now that everyone's seen? And he said no. They have not spoken at all. And he asked him, have you tried to speak to him? And he said no. There's been no communication. Should he be trying to speak to him? I would. To say, sorry, I exposed your text where you Screwed me and I'd gave pick me up, bad I'd, information. I'd pick up the phone and call him if it was my boss for years. Then I, you know, took a head coaching job based off being on that person's staff. I think I'd owe them a phone call. I think Belichick kind of owes him a phone call too, saying, "Sorry, I can't tell which Brian's which in my text, and I made you think you got a job." Well, you well, he said Belichick that. Apologized he apologized in the, in the text. text. He apologized, said, "My bad. I I bleeped up." I mean, he fell on the sword right there in the yeah. text. He apologized. Brian I mean, Flores owes him a call. What, what if, I mean, uh, Paul, you once tweeted out your credit card number. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, Apologize to myself for that. What if, you, what if you send the wrong text? <laughs> you once included our boss on a group text. And yeah, you apologized to us. I once sent my yeah. boss. About a private conversation I we once sent up my boss a text about my boss that was intended for my wife that I sent to the boss that I thought was sending my wife as we were across the table from each other. It wasn't a text. It was a picture. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there was nudity. And there was nudity. No, that, yeah, that would have been for the wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You said it used to be. No, no, no. That naked picture. It was that you a sent text to the boss. about my boss oh. that was intended for my wife that I sent to, to my to the boss, boss seated across the lunch table from me. How'd that work out? Oh, I, I took that it the was, other way. Uh, it wasn't quite succession level cringeworthy that, that we saw in that episode <laughs> where he sends his dad the text intended for someone else yep. at the table yep. right there during the big meeting. Point being, yeah, it was close. He, it, you have made mistakes on the phone. Everyone, Everyone has. has. What if Belichick le- legitimately did that? Yeah, he just made a mistake. No, he made a mistake. And he apologized for it. And that's, that's why you say, why, why would he reach out? But that's I why. I don't think. Because that, he's already apologized. Well, again, like, put, put yourself in Bill Belichick's shoes for a second. Like, I make a mistake in a private text with a, a, a former colleague that was an assistant for years on my staff that took a head coaching job that were friendly. And the next thing I know, it's in a lawsuit yeah. against my employers, right. the NFL. Like, yeah. Yeah. You might want to call it's and at least used explain to help that him, to him. Not hurt him. Right. You might want to call and explain that one to me. Hit us up on Twitter uh, if you agree or disagree at Outkick360. Coming up, we go around the league a bit uh, in the NFL, and we'll also discuss um, a, a big decision coming up for the Titans and the free agent market and how Harold Landry is in a great scenario 
either way at a position where normally these guys don't reach the scenario he could face. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Appreciate all of the great partners across the Outkick network, including Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland. And you can listen to us live on their app. Uh, which we post every now and again, but it's very easy to find. Sports Radio 104.7. Yep. Uh, search the app out. People have asked, I want continuous audio uh, in a digital option for the show. Go get that app. You can listen to us every day, 2 to 5 p.m. Central Time. I got to share this story during the break, too. We were talking about cringeworthy text messages where you screwed up a text and sent it to the wrong person. Uh, Ryan Albanese, who's one of the most low-key dudes you'll ever meet, who's producing the show now and working with us, worked at our old radio station also, filling in today for the chairman of the board, David Reed, uh, just says very calmly as we come back on air, he said, um, I once sent Charles Davis, of course, legendary broadcaster, uh, who was a guest on the old station, I once sent Charles Davis a text that said, hey babe, where do you want me to take you for dinner tonight? (laughs) That was intended for, I'm assuming, his wife. Um, But that is a great story. Did you know Albanese? How quickly I mean, did, did you did know? he respond, or did you know before he responded? I figured done? it out before he responded, and then you said sorry about that. That was for yeah. Well, I had to call him for whatever show it was. Yeah, and I said, hey, sorry about that, and he's like, don't worry about it. I've I've texted worse things. Good, good. I, I knew Charles Davis. It was actually a Macy's trip, not a dinner. I was like, yo, babe, let's go to Macy's so I can get my tux <laughs> <laughs> for the wedding. Wait, the only well, thing better would have been if it was TJ Maxx that you were going to and not Macy's. That's terrific. Love that story. Anyway, I had to break it. No, that's, that. that's great. Um, the Titans and um, Harold Landry are in an interesting situation, both of them. Titans have a decision to make on keeping what is the strength of their team together for another year uh, and, and beyond long term. Um, because Landry's a free agent, had a very productive, had a career year, very productive year on a contract situation. And the strength of the Titans in 2021 was their four-man rush. They could get to the quarterback with four consistently. And Landry was much better with the group they had than the group 
that he was paired with as being the guy prior. He didn't have to be the guy. But here's the thing about Landry. He is the guy who you can count on is going to play a high number of snaps and give you uh, a ton of effort that's hard to match based on the percentage of snaps that he plays. And if you go through the last decade or so, beyond that, just the history of the league, and you think of the top pass rushers, unless it's a trade or it is just at a, you come to a situation where it's time to part ways, normally these guys do not hit the free agent market. But Landry is also not a top flight, highest paid caliber pass rusher in the NFL. And that's not a slide at him. He's just not, I mean, if you start rattling off names, Landry's not coming off very quickly off the tongue. And that's when I, that's what I would, how I would define, you know, the, the top flight pass rushers. But Paul, top flight pass rushers don't hit the open market. So he's going to get paid like one if he does, because those guys are hard to find. He is not, as you are saying, a singular force. Right. An offense does not look at Harold Landry and say, my God, we have got to sell out to stop that guy. And if you're paying him what the market's going to dictate, you're going to be paying him as if he's that guy. Titans are pretty good about drawing a line and saying, we're not going to pay that guy as if he's that guy. They didn't do it with John U. Smith. They didn't do it with Corey Davis. And year one of both of those guys elsewhere says they, they were right. And I think most of us said, don't, don't pay those guys that number. I won't be surprised at all if the Titans don't pay Harold Landry that number. Look, Bud Dupree, an outsider, who is more that guy, but we didn't see it all the way because he was coming off ACL surgery, got a five-year, $82.5 million deal. The important numbers there are in the first two years, he's getting $35 million guaranteed. So 17 and a half over two years. After that, nothing's guaranteed. So it's a paper deal after that. I would think Harold Landry's going to want that. The only reason I'd give it to him as the Titans is because of what you're saying. Who is this team and what do they do? The whole last season, where they were the best team in the AFC through the regular season, was keyed by a four-man rush, which keyed defense. It covered up the cornerbacks. It let Kevin Byard be Kevin Byard. Um, you know, it, it let everything fall into place, even on the offensive side of the ball. Everything was keyed by four-man rush. You let Harold Landry walk, and you're back in a position that they were before they signed Dupree where they're always looking for an, another linebacker. He's not on the team. Don't talk to me about Rashad Weaver. A healthy Rashad Weaver is a, a, a edge-setting run defender who might rush a little bit. Don't talk to me about Derek Roberson. Derek Roberson's bit player at best yeah he's not so they have to draft another one and try to develop again and all year we're going to be talking about how they need another outside linebacker so is it worth it to pay in this instance to overpay harold landry a little bit to put him in the department of bud dupree to preserve your team's strength to be a really good front four again you've got dupree under contract you'll have landry under contract Simmons will get his fifth-year option. He's under contract. Danico Autry's under contract for two more years, I think. And And you've got that course. And you're building around that. And that's where you're spending a lot of money. You don't have to spend a lot on corner anymore. You don't have to spend on your second safety. Your inside linebackers are relatively cheap if you adjust Cunningham's number. 
and you go forward from there. I think, I think you have to do that, but I won't be surprised at all if they don't. I won't be surprised at all if they see Harold Landry for what Harold Landry is and say, uh, look, two years ago we had an offensive line that was really good at pass protection and run blocking. And this year, it was really good at run blocking, but it wasn't so good at pass protection. And we evolved into a team that had a good front four. And then this year, we'll, we won't have Harold Landry, and we won't be quite as good at the pass rush, and we'll be something else. And they'll just continue to evolve based on what they can get that's higher value premiums. I, I think they have to treat Harold Landry the way they treated Derrick Henry, and that's just the, that's just the business aspect have. of this. Um, no, well, both. You franchise tag him. Oh, yeah. And then, Which is 18.8, I believe. And if he doesn't, if he signs that and he doesn't want to negotiate further, fine. You've got him for this year. And then you, you play to your strength because you've got coming up in 2023, Dupree and Autry uh, combined with just hypothetically Landry potentially counting 13 or 14 million against the cap. That, that alone is going to be steep. You've got Dupree and Autry at 23 million, um, 29 against the cap. 29 against the cap a year from now um, is what we would be discussing. Then you have, um, and I know you can redo contracts and stuff, but you have Simmons's deal also on the horizon. You have AJ Brown's contract coming up. Um, I would tag Harold Landry and try and treat him the way you did Derrick Henry, which is, which was fair, but it's not allowing him to hit the free agent market and drive up price. You, you uh, in, in, in Henry's case, they, Franchise tagged him and then worked out a long-term agreement before the deadline in July. A team-favorable deal. And and that, to me, is how I would treat the situation based on this year upcoming and future years upcoming where you have to be flexible at other areas. Um, maybe maybe I'm dead wrong on that and they end up paying this dude uh, a ton of money. And I, Look, I think the combination of what Landry brings the team is rare for any team. It's he's not great on his own, as Paul pointed out, but he's great with this group. And normally I would categorize pass rushers as great on an individual level or just another guy paired with a great pass rusher on a defensive line and plays a role. This guy's different because he plays an extremely high rate of snaps. He doesn't leave the field. Durable. And he's available. And a lot of these guys across the roster, not just up front, haven't been. Landry is there, and he's playing practically every snap. I think there is true value in that, um, and therefore he's kind of in between. And if he hits the open market, he jumps to the top of the pass rusher lists that are available because the, normally you're, you're under a franchise tag, and you the teams just don't let you go to another franchise. He won't live up to expectations if he goes somewhere else because they'll be looking for him. Fans will be looking for him to come in and be a 13-sack guy and the leader of a defensive mm-hmm. line slash outside linebacker group, and he'll probably come up short in that regard. Two more things, Chad. Yeah. Um, if he's tagged this year, he carries a huge number, 18.8-ish. If he's signed, the number will be low. You drop it. First right. year is low because the bonus is in his pocket, but that's prorated over the life of his contract. And the Titans need that lower number, though I wrote a post early this week I saved them 47, over $47 million with four cuts and two restructures. What would you do, Chad, sitting here today? I would be very concerned about a franchise year with him and uh, a breakout year. 
but also acknowledging that, I mean, they're a lot better with him, and I don't think it's going to go back to, you know, Harold Landry, who wasn't doing much for this team. It's probably somewhere, not in the middle, a little bit above the middle of that production. Well, he and just for that did reason, it they need a, him. He just did it in a contract year. So if he had another good year in a franchise year, that, would you guys then be willing to yes. sign him long-term and, next year? And that's year? what I'm saying. I want to see it more, One more time. than just a contract year to give him you know, the big extension and top dollar. Uh, so I think the franchise year to kind of prove it one more time would be a good option. And I don't know if that's totally fair to him. Maybe it just took him that long to figure everything out. I'm not saying he was dogging it. No, the I other mean, years, no, I no, his work he, ethic's never been Yeah, I just, I just think he came into his own in this defense, in that role this year. Yeah, his quarterback, again. His quarterback pressure is, I mean, that, that number's very high. Very high. And always has been. Right. Yeah. It was just getting home. But where's Roberson? Where's, we, you know, yeah. you know that, again, like well, he's not in that group. And it's not like you just, he's a flash in the pan. Oh, he's so a it's very interesting, good player. He's it's not a, a great It's a very player. interesting evaluation for his value to this group because he is the most consistent player for guys around him other than Simmons, uh, guys around him who are specialists. But Simmons know? outranks him as a, as a talent. Yeah. A.J. Brown outranks him as sure. a talent with big contracts coming. Yep. How many can they dole out? That, these are all fair, fair questions. It is very interesting. He's going to hit the jackpot here one way or the other. And the Titans, I just can't afford to let him go if you're trying to capitalize on the, the window of opportunity and keep your strength together. That, that's the problem. And, and, again, I'll go back to the Julio Jones trade. I'm going to keep harping on this. You know, if you're replacing him, I, I'd like to see a top three pick on an on a edge rusher. Yeah. And they've only got a first and a third, and there are plenty of spots they need to address, including wide receiver, tight end. You want to add a spot hey, to Topic that? for another day, there's some really good – Solid tight end free agent options. A lot that could out there. depress the value that of those would, guys. That would immediately help the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. Several guys. Yes. Um, household names. I would argue. I, I'm, yep. I'm looking no, at it's you. a good year to need a tight end. David, David and Joku. I'm and it's not a great draft. There are oh. a couple, a couple really good ones, but it's not deep. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, uh, we'll recap the show. Hit some headlines and preview some SEC hoops. Uh, for the upcoming days. We've got a couple of games tonight and then big game on Saturday. This is Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Got Kentucky and LSU tonight. Kentucky will then play Arkansas on Saturday. Ole Miss visits Auburn tonight. That's interesting because Auburn's coming off their loss. And then they will be visiting Tennessee on Saturday. Bruce Pearl's return. And then Mississippi State, South Carolina. Those are the three SEC matchups tonight that will set up what should be a good Saturday across Southeastern Conference hoops. So... Classic trap game last night for Tennessee at Missouri in front of absolutely no one. That game had the vibe of a 
high school holiday tournament noon game. Yeah, uh, it looked it, like a Dr. Pepper classic. It was, Kennedy yeah. Chandler was awesome. <laughs> he was awesome last night. He was he was dominant. Nine Twenty three points, uh, zero turnovers in thirty seven minutes. Rebounds, six assists. Yeah. Just all he around. Was, he was great. Um, tonight, Auburn in that classic trap game situation, right? And they've already lost. Yes, they lost to Florida. Yeah. So uh, that's setting up though a huge Saturday in Knoxville. We saw a great atmosphere. We talked about last week with Kentucky in Knoxville. Uh, Saturday is going to be a big one. And Bruce Pearl has owned Rick Barnes in Tennessee uh, here recently. So uh, that's going to be a big-time game. And uh, it, was a, it was a fun night in the SEC last night, really headlined by a, a good game here in Nashville where Vanderbilt had a chance for the upset. They're playing a lot better under Jerry Stackhouse, but I'll, I'll pose this question. Is it a little too little too late? Because Scottie Pippen Jr. is awesome. He's leading the SEC in scoring. And he's one of the best players in America, and he's gone after this year. Jordan Wright had a layup with 4.8 seconds. It wasn't the easiest layup in the world, but he's at the basket, got to hit it uh, to tie it, and missed it. Scottie Pippen Jr. last night was 19 for 20 from the free throw line. He also had a long stretch where he didn't score coming out of halftime. Uh, or didn't score from the field, a, at least. a chance to win that game because they could elevate their standings for the SEC tournament. And while that may not mean much, just 30,000-foot view. Uh, you get a bye there. Yeah, and you get, the, you get a better, potentially better draw you know, for, for Vandy on their, their side of the bracket. It didn't happen um, last night. Well, and here's the other thing, too. The top four seeds, which are the most important because you get the double bye in Tampa at the SEC tournament to right. Friday, that's determined at this point. There is a wide gap. There is... Arkansas and Tennessee tied for third at 11 and four now or 10 and four with four losses. Yep. And behind them is seven losses. So there's a big drop off. Tennessee's got three games left. Arkansas, after winning at Florida last night for the first time since 1997, they have three games left also before the SEC tournament. So we're, we're down to the nitty gritty now. Chad, real quick, uh, Josiah Jordan James, 12 for his last 46. Should his minutes be reduced? No. Because he does so much more than score. But Tennessee was way better offensively when he was hitting open threes. That's where they got in that stretch where they were scoring 70-plus every night. And he has hit a cold spell right now. Biggest thing last night, other than Kennedy, Kennedy Chandler being dominant in that game, Tennessee's rotation of young bigs actually played pretty well for the first time. Passed They're going to need well. that. Yes, much better passing in that game. Armando Salguero joins us tomorrow, plus Trey Wallace, more SEC hoops discussion and your reaction. Hit us up on Twitter in the meantime, at Outkick360. Chad gives you the pageant wave, and Paul's got a message for you on the way out. Do not block the box, but please lock your lock.